And I think we're on. Hello. So, um, if you were with us last week, you we heard us tease that we were going to talk about uh, relationships between blacks and whites. It's a big issue in the news these days. Uh, but if you've been watching our videos over the last like two or three months, more Sundays than not, Angela is here with us. And I feel like this would be a good conversation for Angela to be a part of, given the subject matter. And she's unable to be here tonight. We'll explain maybe why in a minute. So we're going to shift gears. We're not going to talk about that. Today happens to be Father's Day. And so we're going to talk about um, what it means to be honoring our father and um, easier said than done sometimes. So right now it's just uh, in our house. It's Dina and me and Tyler might be making a cameo here later on, but there's an angel, our dog, uh, and that's it. And so we're going to be sharing with you thoughts about uh fatherhood, fathering, and honoring fathers, and what that means in different situations and contexts. So changing up the gears, and then we're hoping that Angela can be with us next week, and we'll tackle the issue about uh, quote-unquote race relations, uh, particularly in the United States, in our context, but just in general, and uh, a big move afoot that's happening uh, worldview-wise, philosophically, it's going to have major impact uh, for us, and has already had a major impact for us in society. Um, I don't know if Angela wants us to share too much, but there, you, you, you know a little more about the thing going on in D.C. I mean, there's, thing? yeah, there's a Luciferian march. Actually, it's over right now. I think it was from 2 until 5.55 today. So that has ended, but Angela and some other people uh. went down to pray against, obviously, <laughs> their efforts in um, bringing curse to our land. So that's where she was, is probably on her way back. Been praying for her throughout the day. Uh, she is a prayer warrior and we need more of that in our country. So thank you, Angela, for doing that for all of us. Yeah, I mean, devil worshipers going down to DC trying to have influence, I guess, on the centers of, of, of American power. governmental power. Mm -hmm. And with America being beat down at world power, trying to uh, I don't know, make inroads for their cause. <laughs> the Luciferians, as they like to call themselves, apparently. So, joke. so yeah, we're going to have uh, our joke or jokes. I'm not sure how many we're going to be treated to tonight. And then we're going to have a prayer, and then we'll get into our discussion about uh, parenting, particularly as it relates to fathers. I'm reading a book about anti-gravity. It's just impossible to put it down. Uh, <laughs> that was for you, because you like to read. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a pretty weighty subject, that book, I'm sure. What did the father buffalo say to the boy buffalo? You're a chip off the old block. Bye, son. Bye, son. Oh, I was thinking like <laughs> buffalo chips, you know. Gotcha. Anyway. What did the left eye say to the right eye? I can't think of one for that. Between you and me, something smells. <laughs> Get it? Your nose <laughs> yeah. smells. Do you have your phone, by the way? I do. Okay. If you would, if, if, if somebody who's watching and listening right now, if you could confirm that you're getting in the feed okay, you can hear everything okay, and then I'll be able to relax and be confident that everything we're doing here is going okay. So if right. you could... I'm still going. Oh, there's more jokes? There's you did more three. Jokes. How many did you do? I have two more. Oh, five jokes <laughs> for Father's Day. And Mom, I'm saving the ones that you sent me for another day because I actually had time to, to look some up. Wow. How do you make holy water? Um, with a hole punch. You boil the hell out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing holy is allowed in hell, that's for sure. <laughs> I ordered a chicken and an egg from Amazon. I'll let you know. Which one came first? <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> okay. Ta-da. I'm done. Okay. So, jokes are done. Now we get serious. Uh, so, Angela's our prayer warrior, and I usually give her the role of opening and closing us in prayer. Uh, and in case you're wondering, I try to assign various duties, what we're doing here, to different voices besides mine, because I do a lot of talking during the hour. And so if you don't mind, are you opening us in prayer? Maybe sure. you've done a lot of the talking already. Okay. Uh, but it'll be a lot of me, unfortunately, after, after that. Okay. 
Lord, thank you so much for this time together. We ask a blessing on those who are watching. Pray that you would open our ears. Pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon this evening. That Troy would be filled with your spirit. That the words that come out of his mouth are spoken from your heart. Pray that those who are hearing them would receive the words from your heart. That we would be softened. That we would be ever changed. Because your word does not return void. Pray that this time would be pleasurable to you, that it would be filled with worship to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So today is Father's Day, otherwise known as a Hallmark holiday. Uh, there's a lot of good reasons to have a day such as Father's Day, Hallmark holiday or not. It's a good thing for us to recognize the importance of fathers and to uh, give them their respect and that sort of thing, to honor the position of fathering and and Mother's Day too, and all that. I'm a little bit concerned that it's been designated to a day. If you pay attention to what happens in pop culture, uh, you know Homer Simpson in The Simpsons is a father who's a bumbling fool, and that seems to be kind of the norm in a lot of movies, TV shows, commercials. The dad is always kind of out to lunch and isn't given a lot of uh, honor by our society and our culture today, and yet we set aside this one day where dad gets a new tie or socks or gets to have a barbecue where he probably cooks the hamburgers and hot dogs on the grill and those sorts of things. And that's all, it's all fine. Just the, the, the belly aching I'm doing, and not for me because I happen to be a father, but the belly aching I'm doing is that really 365 days and in leap years, 366 days a year, uh, fathers should be honored and to designate it to a portion of the calendar and just one day uh, really a short shrift. But before we get into why it's important and, and what it means, biblically speaking, to honor fathers, I think that what gets lost on a day such as this are the examples of fathers that are less than honorable. Uh, I know of a father who drank way too much, way too often, uh, would beat his wife, would kick his dog down the stairs, who would throw plates across the room, would make excuses for his behavior, an absolute wreck, and died before he was 30 because of his liver giving out from all of his drinking. What are we to do with a father like that? Um, I know of a father who couldn't wait to get out of Dodge fast enough after a child was born, um, to him, to father, uh, abandoned the, the scene, lickety-split. Uh, I know a father who did nothing affirming or positive for his daughter, leaving her with self-described daddy issues later in life. What do we do with that father? Um, I know of fathers who have... I know we have a, interest, a, a mixed audience here... Um, who have taken liberties in uh, inappropriate ways in the privacy of a bedroom that uh, cannot be honored. And oftentimes nobody knows that those things were happening. They happened in secret and the rest of the world looking on would think that that person was honorable when in fact they were not. Uh, we have fathers who are disloyal to their wives and carousing and cheating on them and and maybe uh, whooping their kids whether they deserve it or not. <laughs> um, being emotionally distant and manipulative and damaging and scarring. Um, I know fathers who fit all of those descriptions and you probably do too. I know fathers who have been embroiled in illegal activity and, and eventually those illegal activities caught up with them and it wasn't just them but the entire family including their children pay a price for that. Uh, I know other fathers, though, who, you know, they're generally good fathers, but even they have their, their issues. Maybe they uh, made some very poor parenting choices that did some damage. It took years to recover from and heal in the relationship with their children. Or some fathers who are controlling, even though they're, even though they're 50, 60, 70, 80 years old and still trying to control the lives of their children when their children are... Married and have kids of their own in their 20s and 30s and 40s, and they, and they have inappropriate roles and pressure. Um, 
and the list could go on. So what are we to make of those fathers? Well, let's see, first of all, what the Bible says about fathers. And I'm going to go to the Ten Commandments. They're in the Bible a couple of places. I'm going to go to Deuteronomy chapter 5. And verse 16 says, Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, that your days may be prolonged and that it may go well with you on the land which the Lord your God gives you. So honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you. Now, if you understand how the Ten Commandments are structured, there are two what are uh, commonly referred to as tables of the law. The first table are the first four commandments, and the second table is the last six commandments. And the first yeah. commandment is understood by a lot of theologians to be the The, the primary command of the first table from which the rest of that table points to. So we're to honor God and have no other God before him, and then all the rest of that table connects to that. And then similarly, the second table, the first commandment on that table is honor your father and your mother. And then the rest of that table is connected to that particular command, believe it or not, because the first table is love God, the second table is love your neighbor. And loving your neighbor begins in the home, begins with honoring your father and your mother. If you can't honor your father and mother, it's hard to see that person who doesn't honor their father and mother honoring others. There are exceptions to the rule, but generally speaking, if somebody's kind of a jerk out in society, they're probably a jerk with their parents. And if somebody seems to be a pretty upstanding good, respectable kind of person out in society, generally they're a pretty good, upstanding, respectable person towards their parents. Rule of thumb. There's nothing real ironclad in that, but you can kind of get the gist of it. So this is an important and critical command. All of the Ten Commandments are important and critical. Uh, but this one kind of represents almost like an umbrella, if you will, for the rest of that table. So what does it mean when it says, honor your father and your mother? What does honor mean? The Hebrew word there for honor is kavod, and it has to do with, with glory and weightiness. It has to do, so that goes with your joke about the book and, and gravity. So honor means to give weight to, all right, to give proper and due respect to. Uh, so if somebody is the president of the United States, that's a weighty title deserving of honor, commensurate with the weight of the position. If someone is you know, the king of England or the queen of England. There's a lot of weight with that. Somebody's the pastor of a church. You know, the pastor, that's a, that's a, a title and a position that carries with it weight and influence. Well, the same with, with parents and fathers. Fathers, the title father uh, carries weight and importance. And so we should, we should regard them in that way. That's why one of the reasons it's become a trend over the last 20 or 30 years for some reason. But, uh, you know, you run into more and more people, it seems to me, who... They refer to their parents by their first name. That's not sinful per se, so I'm not going to go that far. But I feel like there's something missing there, and there's a missed opportunity more than anything, because as I've heard uh, one pastor say it, every, and the pastor who said this, his first name is Kevin, and he said, the whole world can call me Kevin. Only my children can call me dad, can call me father, can call me papa, whatever. And so you're robbing yourself of an opportunity to share in a unique relationship that the rest of the world does not share by calling your parents by their first name for what it's worth. But so there's this weightiness that's to be given to fathers and mothers. There's honor. Well, what does that mean? There was a lot of talk about this the last few months with relation to the government, and the government was shutting everything down. A lot of people said, well, we need to obey the government. We need to honor the government, respect the government. We need to do whatever they say. That's what honoring means. Does it? Well, let's go to Romans. We could go to other places. Proverbs 3 would be a place to go. But we're going to go to, as an example, we're going to go to Romans 13 and verse, uh, we're going to start here. We'll go with verse 7, 13, Romans 13, verse 7. Render to all what is due them, tax to whom tax is due, custom to whom custom is due, 
fear, to whom fear, it's unspoken, but fear is due, and honor, to whom honor is due. Oh, yeah. So you're to render to all what is due them, and those who are due honor, we should render unto them the honor to which they are due. So, in the examples that I threw out there about some of these fathers that I know about, and that you can have your own stories about these fathers who didn't act in very honoring ways, what does it mean to honor them? What sort of respect and honor are they due? Well, let's start with the fact that they are someone, if, they're, if, if they've had a progenitorship, if they've had offspring, if they have children, they are a father by definition, and by definition, fathers deserve some form of honor just out of respect for the position, for the weightiness of the title of father. So you hear this sometimes in politics, the the, the, the president might be, uh, and not, I'm not talking about the president we have now necessarily, any president, uh, you know, Ronald Reagan, Bill Clinton, you know, George Bush, you know, Barack Obama, Donald Trump, well, whoever the president is, they might behave poorly, and we can point that out and say the president is behaving poorly, and yet, so often you say something like, yes, but I'm, I want to bestow honor for the office of the president. And so we need to have honor for the office of fatherhood, if you will. There's, there's a certain amount of honor and respect that is due to anybody that has that title. But if a president doesn't behave presidential, then there are mechanisms for voting them out of office, for impeaching them and removing them from office, for pushing back against their policies through protesting and advocacy and those sorts of things. Uh, and the same is true with fathers. If a father is a deadbeat drunk, then you can say, I don't mean any disrespect to him as a father, but I can't respect the deadbeat drunkness of what he's all about. I need to call that for what it is, because truth is truth, and there's no honor in not speaking the truth to a situation. To call something that uh, is that is not, or something is not that is, that's not honoring. Um, it's enabling, uh, we're going to talk about the race relation thing hopefully next week, but in black-white relations, it can be tokenism. If you're going to give somebody a position merely because you're trying to show them honor, but they haven't earned it, they don't really deserve it. The truth is they don't deserve it, but you give them to them anyway out of some sort of sense of guilt or obligation. That's dishonoring. It's tokenism. That's not, so we don't want to have a, a, a tokenism mentality towards fathers that haven't earned respect and honor based on their decisions and their behaviors. And yet, we don't want to undercut the legs out of what fatherhood and parenting is all about. Look at what has happened in our society, for example. And I don't want to make it about the color of somebody's skin. Just look generally, economically. Look at the plight of inner-city poor that are they're, they're, they're destitute, not just financially, but they're destitute of hope. And, they, and they're destitute of hope because they feel like they're destitute of opportunity because they have become dependent on welfare and provision from others outside of their family. You know, the nanny state, as some uh, like to wag a finger at, at controlling governments are. And you can look at it, I guess, I, I, again, I want to make it about race, but I think it's a good case study. Black families in the United States in the 40s and 50s the percentage of those families that were not intact, meaning children raised in black families in the 40s and 50s in this country, uh, only uh, somewhere between 10 and 20% of those families didn't have both parents in the home. And now here we are, 60 some odd, you know, 60, 70 years later, 60 years later, and it's not 10 or 20% uh, that have a failure to have both uh, parents in the home, have a father in the home, because it's usually the mother that's that's the single parent raising the kids. But now the situation is it's between 70 and 80 percent of black families in America have both parents. And again, in almost every case, it's 70 or 80 percent that have the single parent have a mom, no father. And what has happened to that 
part of our community, that part of our society. They've lost fathers and replaced it with government. And so we're not giving the fathers the respect and the honor they're due. We're telling the fathers they're not necessary, they're not needed, they're in the way. Because if the father's home, they don't get as much help from the government to help them get through a tough time. And so what's meant to be a safety net becomes a snare, becomes a net in which people get entangled. And so we need to lift up and honor fatherhood as an institution, and we need to lift up and honor individual fathers, at least in their positional authority as a father. The office of father, at the very least, needs to be honored and respected, even if they don't behave like fathers. Uh, are supposed to behave. Now some fathers they make mistakes and they learn and they grow and they get better and we can move forward and we can understand that our fathers aren't perfect and they sin and yet we can offer them grace and forgiveness and move forward and not and, and not have to call it out because the father's calling it out in their own lives or they have other people in their lives that are calling it out and they're addressing it. And then you have fathers that go completely off the rails and they can't get their life back together for a period of time, but then they finally hit rock bottom and they're able to rebuild from there. It might take them a half a dozen years, a dozen years, 20 years of really working hard, but they as a father who's 50 is a very different father than when they were 25 and you can honor and respect the growth that they've made. You don't forget and excuse what they did when they were in their 20s or in their 30s, but you put it in context and frame it in a way that says, you know what, they were a rotten father, but they've become a good father. And my father recognizes that about himself, and I'm going to honor him for that too. He recognizes the truth about himself, and he has grown from it, and I'm going to celebrate that with him. And I'm not going to hold all that baggage from the past because he's moved on and has progressed to be more Christ-like as my father. And then there are other fathers who never get it together. And they're living a life of brokenness and lostness and confusion and destruction. And we still want to honor the office of Father. We still want to give respect to that positional authority, while at the same time honoring them or honoring others around that, that satellite, the orbit of that person, honor the truth by saying, positionally, I honor that that man as a father however I have to acknowledge the failings and uh, and not mask them um, not make excuses for them um, to internalize them in such a way that you can call them what they are because if you don't acknowledge someone's sin it's hard to forgive that person for their sin. You can't extend forgiveness to somebody that you won't admit in your own, in your own mind in your, that they've wronged you. So you have to come to a place where you're willing to acknowledge they have wronged me and I'm going to extend forgiveness toward them. So you have to have a, a reality, a realism. I, I, one of the examples, probably in more than one case, that I use, these, these kind of generic broad brush strokes, I had specific fathers in mind when I was throwing some of these broad brushstrokes out. And in one case, one of the fathers was an utter disaster. One of the worst fathers ever. And he's now, and, and, he, and he can't make amends because he's not alive anymore. And he is held up by so many people that were part of his life uh, as a hero. As somebody who was almost angelic, could do no wrong. And that's not honoring because it's not true you're not now I'm not saying you only want to talk about all the bad things you can talk about all the bad things and, and choose to emphasize some of the good things but don't ignore the bad things because those bad things did a lot of damage to a lot of people and so if you want to live in la la land and pretend that they never did anything wrong that is hurtful and dishonoring to the others who were damaged by that behavior they need to hear you affirm that they have a struggle from that damage that was done. For you to say, there was no damage done, is dishonoring to them. We want to honor everyone, and we honor everyone with the truth. And, and if they're still alive, we help them, we honor them by helping them recognize their own dishonoring behavior so that they can be called to repentance. 
And again, if they if if they're not around anymore, they've either disappeared, and you know maybe they're still alive, but they're totally out of the scene and, and aren't a part of anybody's life, or they or they they've died. Then there's there's no way to have any sort of a restoration. But there are people that again were impacted by that, and you need to honor them by being honest about um, all of the destruction that they left in their wake. Um, so I'm going to make one last kind of biblical theological point and then maybe we'll have some discussion and if you have points you want to add in the comment section, you, you can do that. We'll try to interact with, with uh, questions or comments that come through the comments underneath this video. Every father, every human father in history, without exception, has failed in some measure. There are no perfect fathers in a human sense. Some are worse than others. Some are far worse than others. Some are better than others. And some are far better than others. And if you have been stuck with a really, really rotten, horrible, bad father, and that's been your experience, we know that there are consequences to that. right? The statistics say that if you have had a rotten father or no father in your life, that statistically you're prone to have more difficulties through your life, difficulties that might be really hard to overcome and move forward in your life. That said, that's no excuse. There are lots of people who have had disasters for fathers that through God's grace and through other means and, and methods are able to have incredibly successful, transformative, impactful lives. So it's not a get-out-of-jail card for somebody to say, well, I'm a rotten disaster mess, and I'm going to have to go to jail because my dad went to jail, and that's just the way it is. My dad was a drunk, so I'm going to be a drunk. That's just the way it is. My, my dad was a no-good, no-account loser, so I'm going to be a no-good, no-account loser. That is not true. And if you give in to that lie, you're not speaking truth, and you're dishonoring not just your father and everybody around you. You're dishonoring yourself, and you're dishonoring the maker who made you. And just because somebody had a really good father and a good experience doesn't mean that they don't have to hold themselves to account and hold temptation at bay and not trip up and make mistakes that their father didn't make. Just because you had a good parenting experience when you were growing up doesn't automatically mean you're going to be a good parent. You're going to have to work at it. So no matter what kind of father we had, we have to work at it. Some of us will have more to overcome but you know what? I think there can be more blessing in those situations sometimes. To overcome all of those obstacles, you can look back and feel really good about the hand of God at work in your life. And you have a story to tell. And those stories can be really impactful and transformative for others who then hear your story because you're going to be able to relate to them. And they're going to say, wow, but you have it so together and your family is so wonderful and your career is great and you seem so, you know, you were made to be it seems like you were just born to be a leader and you've probably never had any challenges and then to hear you share all these challenges you've had and yet look where you are gives me hope so if you had a hard time growing up as you get older you're going to have a story to tell that's going to give others hope that somebody who didn't have those challenges is going to have a harder time doing so God can and will and does use all things for good even when others meant it for evil we need to keep that in mind so we want to own the reality. We want to speak the truth. We want to identify and understand and internalize that truth. And sometimes the truth is horrifying. And sometimes the truth brings us to a place of depression and sadness and anger. And sometimes those emotions are exactly the right, appropriate emotion to experience. But the negative emotions cannot be where we camp out and live forever. So it is right to be angry at something that someone did to you, but it is not healthy or wise or good to stay angry forever. It is right and proper to be sad over a circumstance that has happened to you, but it is not healthy and good and right to stay sad and depressed forever. We need to work against that. We need to exercise our own personal demons in a non-spiritual sense, the, the kinds of things that plague us. 
And, and in a spiritual sense, demons will try to use those chinks in our armor to attack us and accuse us and say things like, you had a rotten father because you didn't deserve a good father. And that is not true. You do deserve, we all deserve a good father. And if you're a believer in Christ, you are co-heir with the eternal Son of God. All that Jesus has, he shares with you. And what does the eternal Son of God, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, what does Jesus have? He has sonship to the Father. A Father who told him on more than one occasion that you are my Son, in you I am very well pleased. The Father in heaven has that attitude towards his Son, and his Son, if you're a Christian, you are a co-heir in all of that. And so you have a Father who loves you, and if you're a Christian, when he looks at you, he says, in you... I am very well pleased. So if the accuser comes and wags a finger at you and says, well, you have a no-account dad because you're a no-account person and you're never going to amount to anything, those are lies. God, the Father in heaven, speaks the truth and he tells you otherwise. He loves you. He is perfect. He never abuses. He never loses control. He is not going to lie to you or manipulate you or uh, everything that God does for you is for your good. Unlike even the best human fathers, even sometimes fathers and uh, human fathers who mean well do the wrong thing in meaning well. Sometimes there are consequences to good intentions that weren't thought through, weren't, weren't wise. So ultimately we have a father in heaven who is the ultimate father and our job as fathers and this is true for mothers and I'm using the masculine terms in these parenting one it's Father's Day and that's the theme but I'll, I'll make an additional point on that in just a second we all have a perfect model to follow after and so if you are trained up by a good father then you should follow after that father insofar as that father was following after Christ and if you have a father who was an utter disaster as a father, then you can learn from those mistakes and know what not to do because you know what not following after Christ looks like and you're going to choose the way, the path that leads to righteousness. So whether you have a good father or a bad father, you can learn how to be a good father yourself and there is no excuse for not striving to be a good father. And I've been using father, even though the, 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 fifth, the uh, fifth commandment talks about honoring your father and mother against his father's days, so we're focusing on father. And I was talking about sonship. And there's been a move in the church over the last couple of decades to try to neuter the language and to talk about a God who's a he, she, and to go out of your way to talk about the brotherhood and sisterhood that believers have with Christ. And that's true as far as it goes. It really is, and I'm not fighting against it, but I do want to make the point of clarification. Biblically speaking, sonship is important because of the context within which the Bible was written. And so the sons were the inheritors. The sons were the ones that benefited in that culture from what their father had to give them. And so Dina is a daughter, of, uh, is God's daughter, but spiritually speaking, biblically speaking, she is a son because she shares in the inheritance. Doesn't mean that she's masculine or male, but she shares in the, in the inheritance that sons got during ancient times. And so we don't want to neuter the language because we, we lose that lesson, which is a pretty darn important lesson. Um, I think those are most of the main points that I, I wanted to make. There might be some things that come up during discussion, but uh, are there any questions that come in or are there things you wanted to chime in with? Um, there are no questions that I'm seeing coming in. Um, trying to think. There was a point earlier, now I can't think of what I wanted to say. Um, I think it's important for 
the brokenness that is happening in our society, you know, especially around fathers, because like you mentioned earlier, even the best of dads is riddled with sin. So in honoring your father, how do you do that? A lot of women, I'm going to speak from a female perspective because that's the only one I know, not a guy. So, but it's a lot of my female friends, when we've had Bible studies, when we've had just, you know, prayer time, some of the things that come up with having a disconnect with a husband, a, a child, whatever is related to, but I don't know how to do that because I didn't have that or I didn't. And it becomes a stumbling block as opposed to saying, okay, that is the reality, but then how do I get past that? Um, that's where you look to your heavenly father to say, okay, but these, these are the attributes of a perfect dad. Let me focus on that and get my, draw my wisdom, draw my um, ability to move forward from that. I'm not saying that, um, you know, there's no grace there because yes, you want to acknowledge these are the things that happen. These are the reasons why I can't do. But in order to say I can do, that's where we have to look to our Heavenly Father to say these are the things that now I can do because I have that as my example. So you mean as far as becoming a parent yourself? Is that Correct. what you mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we could, I think it's just a point where I was saying if, if, if you have a good parent, a good father, then that mean, in the ways that they're good are the ways that they're following after Christ, and we should follow after that. In the ways that they're not so good, those are negative examples we can learn to, so we learn what to avoid. Right. And then you do, and but then you only know what not to do, but you don't know what to do. Exactly. And that's where you have to turn to the Heavenly Father and examples of good fathering. Exactly. And the Bible is rife with, full of bad fathers. Right. I mean, David was a horrible father. I mean, David and Absalom didn't exactly see eye to eye. <laughs> Eli, famously a bad father, his, he was the high priest and his, and his sons were a, a total disaster right. Right. because Eli was out to lunch. Um, uh, Jacob, it, it would appear that he played favorites among his sons, which caused all sorts of problems. There are lots of really, uh, right down the line, most of the story, um, uh, Abraham, you know, definitely favored one son over the other, basically disowned one son, practically speaking. Right. Uh, so there are all sorts of bad examples of fathers in the Bible, and we can learn from those what not to do. Now, they are called to live a certain life, and they don't. And those are reminders, just like in our own practical experiences, there are reminders that we don't want to fall prey to misunderstanding that we can experience the fullness of heaven and glory in the here and now. So all these negative things that happen in our life are reminders that there's something so much greater that is awaiting us, and it calls us to that hope. That we're, that we're to hang on to. We aren't to have our hope placed in our government. We're not to have our hope placed in what we're able to do ourselves. And we're not to place our hope in our parents. We can hope to have good parents. We can hope to have a good government. We can hope to have good lives. We don't place our hope in those things. We place our hope in God himself. And so that might be part of what you're getting at. And, and how okay. do you... I'll make a note that I'll forget. Not you... You collectively, how does anyone honor their father when they are so terribly rotten? How does that play out? Is it just words? I'm going to choose to honor you. How does how do you put that into action? Sometimes the only thing that's honorable about it would seem to me that is honorable about a person is that is the position of of authority and weight because again honoring has to do with weightiness the position of weight that they carry in society and in your life the only thing that's honorable about them is the weight itself 
And so I think there are times, like think about, I mean, here's stories. So then you choose to not hate them in your heart, which you shouldn't do anyway. So that's one way to honor them. You're going to say, look, choose to forgive them. everything almost that I know about that person was dishonorable. Everything they chose to do, with the rarest of exceptions, was miserable and rotten. And I'm not going to honor the miserable and rotten things. I'm going to call them out for what they are. I'm going to process through them. I'm going to identify those sins. Probably go to therapy. Yeah, well, the therapy is going to help you identify right. those sins and identify the damage that those sins have done to you because sure. you're going to understand how much shrapnel we've been hit with. Right. You know, we, we, we the, the major injuries we identify right away, but the smaller injuries don't get noticed until maybe you, you do a deeper dive. And maybe you come to a place where the only thing you can honor about a particular father is the fact that they were a father. And so I'm going to honor the title and the position and the authority that should have gone with him. And I'm going to honor him positionally, but not personally, because there was nothing personal to honor. That said, even the worst people, you can usually find something. Maybe they had a good sense of humor, you can honor that. They had a good wit, or they were smart, you can honor their intelligence. You can usually find something. They were a good dresser, they were a safe driver. You can, you can find something about them that you can honor, but generally speaking, their life was a mess. You're not going to honor the mess. You're going to lie about the mess. You're going to call the mess what it is, because if you can't identify their mess, how are you going to avoid it yourself? Okay, so let's go to the flip side. Let's, let's turn this around. My dad is great. My dad is the best dad ever. In culture, that happens. You know, we, there are people that will put their dads on pedestals. How do you carefully honor them without making them an idol? Well, I think that gets to what I was saying a few minutes ago. We can hope for a good father, and if we're blessed by having those hopes realized, we can be thankful and grateful to God. And I think one of the ways you can avoid it, but we place our hope in God. All right, so I want to emphasize that dif this, this distinction. So if you hope for a good job and you get one, your hope isn't placed in the job, your hope is placed in the God who gave you that job. You hope for a good father, but you don't place your hope in that father. You place your hope in the God who gave you that good father. So everything is directed to God. So it's either you're directing your, your, your heart and your attitude and your focused attention to the greatness of God and all that he's given you that's good, or you're focusing your energies and positive everything to God, uh, beseeching him for rescue from all that's bad in your life. But everything's about focusing on God. God is the quote-unquote idol in your life. Right, or should be. Right, Absolutely. and so... That's the, he's the object of your affection. So when you honor your, your wonderful father, you have uh, Father's Knows Best as your father, you know, from the sure. 1960s. Sure. Or you have, uh, well, not in his personal life, but in his television portrayal, Bill Cosby in the 80s, a Cosby show. He was a great father. If you have that father in your life, you thank God for that father. You don't idol worship your father. You're grateful for your father, and it's easier than to honor that father the way that the God we've placed your hope in has told you to do. Mm -hmm. So, and you uh, alluded to something that's triggered a thought. If you're a father, or you're going to someday be a father of a daughter, Maybe you could speak. You've been pretty eloquent on how, in the past, of how important it is for fathers to invest in their daughters. Yeah, well, one of the things that we know to be true relationally is we as females look to the males in our life to then help us determine what we're looking for in a spouse. So it becomes an early training on, training up, that will then give them effect to, effects lasting into their adulthood and then how they raise their children. So one of the things I was so um, passionate about making sure that Troy would make 
time to spend with our daughter and to make sure that he was constantly the man, if you will, in her life, that they would, for lack of a better word, have playdates together, that they would, you know, wrestle with each other. And then as things changed and she got older, then it would, you know, the relationships changes. And there becomes that weird, awkward phrase where, okay, they're developing and becoming a young woman. Well, that's weird. I can't wrestle with her now. That's not appropriate. Okay, press in and find out what is, you know, Call upon other women in your life if you don't have a, a wife. Call upon your sisters, your mom, your own mom, to find out, okay, how can the nature of my relationship change so that I'm still the man in her life so that when she starts looking for a husband, she'll look for qualities I know that will help her be a better woman. So, yes, um, you want to instill that the man is going to protect you. So as a dad, you want to be the protector of your daughter because then when you pass the baton to her husband, he becomes her protector. And so it has to mirror a godly image. God is our protector. God loves us sacrificially. So the father, so dads, you are to love your daughter sacrificially. So that then when she looks for a man, she's looking for a man that will love her sacrificially. So those are the things that are so, so, so very important to model for your daughters as dads. You know, I, you know and with uh, a guy relationship, if you have a son, it's a little bit different with us because we have a son with special needs. So that played out different. But it's that training up in you will respect the women in your life, you will love them sacrificially, you know, and, and to model that headship role so that they then know how to interact with the other women in their life. So I don't know if that's helpful, if that's what you're getting yeah, at. Yeah, exactly. And then and they can learn uh, by watching the husband and wife, but then also learn by how the parents, and in this case we're talking about the fathers, but interact with them so they understand what spiritual headship looks like, what mutual submission looks like, what what um, what love and harmony in, in a family context can look like. And one of the things that fathers should be doing for their kids, and it plays out differently whether they're a, a, a male or a female child, but it's affirmation and love. And I'm not sure necessarily in that order, but if if the son feels affirmed in his masculinity and in his ability to develop into a spiritual head of a home himself someday, and he's trained up to believe that he doesn't have to prove himself as a man, he has developed into a man through the guidance of his father and his mother too, but uh, he, he has developed in, he doesn't have to prove himself through negative behavior, he doesn't have to rebel and and be overly macho, or take unhealthy risks, or be a tough guy, or demonstrate that he's independent by re by being you know a jerk or being violent or anything like that. And so, if they feel loved, they feel protected. And if they feel affirmed, they feel equipped. So, if you feel protected and equipped, you're going to go out there and take chances and live your life. Because you know that you've been affirmed saying, I should be able to do this. And even if I fail, I know I'm loved, so I've got a fallback position where I'm safe. There's a safety net back there. So fathers should be affirming their sons to go live the lives of men, knowing that as they stumble and learn how to be fully developed men, they're going to make mistakes, that they still have unconditional love from their father as a backstop. And for the women, for the young women, the daughters, it's the same thing. You want the daughters to know that they're affirmed in their femininity, affirmed in their, their beautifulness, affirmed in their intelligence and all that they are, that they're capable, they can do good, and that if the world throws them some curveballs, if they have a bad hair day or their oily skin leads them to have acne and they don't feel so beautiful and their friends are mean to them and the boys are ignoring them during the awkward teenage years and all that sort of stuff. 
You've been affirming them, but they're not really owning and feeling that affirmation. They feel a little awkward, but they don't have to prove that they're worthy. They don't have to prove that they're beautiful. They don't prove that boys are going to like them by doing things that too many young people are doing, you know, sleeping around and and doing that whole scene that's not healthy because even if they don't feel like all those things that they were told are true their backstop is their father loves them they don't have to seek love in all that old song right looking for love in all the wrong places yeah looking for love in all the wrong places Uh, they're not going to be as prone to look for love in all the wrong places if they know for the last well depending on how old they are right the last 12 15 20 25 years of their life that they've had a father who has been relatively consistent in demonstrating that there's an unconditional love and support there. So fathers are huge. And then if fathers aren't there, this is swinging back to like a half hour ago, if you're a young lady who's watching this and you don't have a good father, that's not an excuse to go look for love in all the wrong places (laughs) because you do have a good father ultimately. You have a good father heavenly. And so if you're earthly father hasn't done his job, you have to look to your heavenly parent. It's the same with mothers. If you don't have a good earthly mother, you have, as an example, you have to look to your heavenly parent to look for what parents are supposed to do, what that positional authority is supposed to bring with it. Anything else? No, and I do not see any comments. There's just two people watching, myself and your sister. Okay. So it's Father's Day, so I'm glad that yeah. you're celebrating with your dads. <laughs> yeah, and some people might watch this later. I don't know. Um, so if, if they do, great. If not, that's fine. Yeah, and you could always, obviously, when you're watching, put comments in. Yeah, you we'll, can comment later. We'll, we'll get alerts, and then Tori can answer those. And you can share this if you want on your Facebook page. And probably some at some point tomorrow, I'm guessing... We have a YouTube channel for these videos now set up. It's the Household of Faith in Christ YouTube channel. Um, if you follow my Facebook page, I will I will provide a link to this video that you're watching now on YouTube so that you can access the channel. We I think this is the 12th or 13th Sunday evening one we've done now. So if you've missed any of those and this topic that's interesting and you want to watch it later, they're all right around an hour long. Uh, you can watch them anytime. And you can even comment on YouTube as well. Okay. Let me close this in prayer. So, yeah, unless there's anything else somebody wants to throw in last minute, uh, we're going to close in prayer and we'll wrap this up. Normally we go just a few minutes over an hour. This week it looks like we're going to go a few minutes under an hour. So we got bonus time. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you for this time and thank you for being our Heavenly Father, the perfect parent. We ask that you would be glorified, that you would be honored, and that you would teach us how to honor rightly our earthly parents. May you be glorified, may you bless our week, and may um, we be led not into temptation, and please deliver us from all evil. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thanks for watching. Next week, hopefully Angela can be here, and even if she can't, I think we will tackle the uh, quote-unquote race relations issue one way or the other, so we'll do that next week. Till then, God bless.